going to be an opening track of me laughing the entire time. <laughs> Well, it seems to be in vogue, at least to me, it seems to be in vogue to criticize Christian art mm-hmm. and to very easily kind of slap a sticker on the evangelical propaganda, which I think that that is a very valid label to give it, to, to slap a sticker on that evangelical propaganda and just point blank say, this is bad art. Like even mm-hmm. even to call it bad art is to almost make a mockery of bad art. Yeah. Um, it, it's really, really bad. And yet there are a lot of individuals who are struggling to decide or to understand or to, to communicate why it's bad. Um, and it's very easy to take like a case by case, this movie, these points, or this movie, this scene, but to kind of grasp from a high level how we can learn from this bad art and say, okay, this bad art is bad because of these reasons, and this is how it impacts the rest of our lives. Because I don't think that art is supposed to be something that's restricted to just temporal engagement and enjoyment. Art, I think, is supposed to be a groundwork for all of our lives. What we enjoy listening to, what we enjoy looking at, it is supposed to move us not just in our engagement with more art, but actually in our lives to, yeah. to in, impact our ethics, to impact the way we treat each other, to impact the way we think. Art is supposed to be, in my opinion, something attuned to like a science. It really is supposed to impact our worldview. And so um, I see this new generation of young Christians who all know that these Lifeway movies this or Crossway movies that or, you know, insert movie title here from director here. They suck. They do. Mm-hmm. And the, and but they have a hard time explaining why they're evangelical propaganda. And one of the things that I have come to light with when we, we've discussed this is that um, they don't let the dark be dark and they don't let the light be light. And more fundamentally than that, like if we want to get really dirty into the theology of that, um, taking from Karl Barth, one of my primary influences, who you know just was goo goo gaga over Mozart, and everyone to this day <laughs> wonders why, you know, Bart would say that when he gets to heaven, he's bypassing Paul. He wants to go talk to Mozart first, <laughs> and everyone's wondering how Mozart got into heaven in the first place. Um, but his point is is that we live in a in a time period where the darkness of our condition is not merely our sin but God's eternal no to our sin. Yes. The world the world isn't just dark because we sin. The world is dark because God has said no to our sin. He's rejected yes. us. He's kicked us out of the garden. That is the darkness of our world. And so we're, we're looking for this light that really doesn't come until God says, welcome back. And yes, that begins in Jesus Christ, and that begins in our experience of union with Jesus Christ, but it doesn't reach its culmination until that final judgment. And it, it seems to me that what evangelical art 
desires to do is just skip over the entire middle ground between God's no and God's yes. They want to jump straight from God's no to the final concluding yes of God, where all the characters are adequately divvied up and divided between the sheeps and the goats, and we know who the bad Christians were, and we know who the good Christians were, and this doesn't speak to where we're at. Where we're at is between this no and yes. We've heard God's no against our sins. We've heard God's yes with reference to justification in Jesus Christ, completely apart from anything we could ever conceive of doing. And we're still stuck waiting for this final, God is good. God is going to judge us to be righteous in Jesus Christ. How can we conceive of an art that depicts this? And the only art, an art that I don't appreciate, to be quite honest, the only Mm -hmm. art that I think is... um, gotten close as horror films because yeah. they're, they're one of the very few that take very seriously the no darkness of God's judgment against sin. Horror films are like the epitome of the darkness of humanity. Um, I will concede that I, I don't think that it's a, an adequate depiction of God's no, but it is no. a, it, it's yes. a huge darkness. It's a looming darkness. It's an oppressive darkness. And I think that, in, in its own way, the world has at least grasped that, that evangelical art is so concerned about, let's jump to the, you know, angels on the harps, post-judgment happiness, that they've completely lost any sense of, of God's no and how that needs to impact art. When it seems like, I, well, I mean, I've got a suspicion that the reason why we as as Christians, especially in America, <clears throat> tend to jump so quickly to, you know, the glory aspect of, you know, Christian faith is that ultimately we want to view ourselves in a perfect light. Uh, we want to view ourselves as a, as a good people already without having to first be confronted by uh, the negative aspect of that of that quality uh, to be seen as as you know ugly and sin and um, I think we jump to that because that is ultimately what our nature tells about us that's what we that's what we cling to uh, instead of Christ is is some subconscious level of our own goodness and our own you know, sense of, of, uh, perfection, I guess you could say. Um, I think we're, we just generally speaking revel in the glory and because what the, the cross says about us is something we don't particularly like to hear. At least I've never enjoyed hearing it. (laughs) So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the world doesn't either, which, which I, I don't want to cut you off midstream, but I'd like to get back to a point you made, which I thought was really important, um, that using like a, a even a Ventilian perspective of presuppositionalism, the world knows mm-hmm. these things. They might reject these things, and they might be inconsistent with their worldview, but the world knows these truths, and they are not 
that bad at artfully depicting it. Like yeah. there, there is, there is Christian art in non-Christian places oh, occurring yeah. because of this phenomena. And I, I don't want to be the individual who's suggesting that we should go into every single movie looking for Christian sub themes, but they, they are there some more clearly than others. Well, yeah, I mean, I would say case in point, anyone who wants to see a very stark Christian image in a largely non-Christian film, I would say tree of life is one of the utmost examples of that, um, full of Christian imagery and Christian themes and redemption and suffering and, you know, elements of the cross. And it's just packed full of it, even though Terrence Malick, the director and probably most of the actors on the set don't really hold to it. So it's, it's a beautiful film and it's uh it's one I would say is probably in my top films of all time. So I would put that one out there as a example. I think Peter Lightheart has actually written a book or a series of essays on that film. Yes. Well, I, I definitely am excited about watching that film. I was excited before you mentioned it. I just, I don't watch a lot of television. I, I gotta be quite frank. I, I don't like the current theme of anti-heroes that I perceive is kind of the theme of the day. Uh-huh. In most television shows and not as much in movies, but definitely in TV dramas that we really want to make sure that our protagonists are the worst protagonists possible, um, such that you're, you're constantly rooting for them, but they're really quite awful people. And yeah. we all know this. That's why we're interested in the show. Um, so I don't, I don't watch a whole lot of television. I don't watch a whole lot of uh, movies. So my, my Netflix wish list or watch list is like three things long. And it, it they're, they're all Audrey Hepburn films. So. Hey, there is nothing wrong with that. I love Audrey Hepburn, especially wait till dark. I am horrible with, with titles. Like I, th- yeah. that makes me an awful, I, I confess nah, that makes not me so an, much. Uh, okay. Not so much. <laughs> I, I will reside in your grace, but for me, <laughs> For me, it to me that communicates that that is just like you couldn't even spend the time to to learn the title of that movie, and it's like, well, no, I I enjoyed the movie, and I would love to watch it again. I have no idea what what it was called though. So, well, well, I think I, I mean I've got several people I know that are huge film fans that cannot always recall a title of a film that they loved, and. It's because they're so focused on the the movement and the c- emotional connection of the story itself. Mm-hmm. Like the, the title is kind of just, it's not important to them. Like no. it's just what they took with them from the film. So like I have no problem with that. I think that's just another way of, that's just how people work. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it, it makes it very hard to rewatch films that you love. Yeah, <laughs> you can't remember. The but film. it's a, but it's always a surprise. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. I, I've actually I've had that happen before. So uh, yeah. <laughs> er, earlier, I was about to say earlier this year, but it's 2016. So earlier last year, very early in 2015, um, I was adding a ton of Audrey Hepburn movies, and 
it popped up and I was like, oh, this this sounds interesting. Like, this sounds like something I would like. And I started it and realized, wait, I've seen this movie like five times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do like this movie. And no, that movie was not Breakfast at Tiffany's. I, I know the, the title of Breakfast at Tiffany's and it's not my absolute favorite. It's not nah. bad, but it, it's not as good as everyone makes it out to be so yeah i i'm i'm more of a charade fan if we're talking hepburn yeah with, I've, uh, I've seen Cary charade a, a couple times and the the cary grant in, inclusion is kind of what pushes it over the top it's phenomenal Cary grant audrey hepburn is he friend lover thief or what is she gay innocent terrified <laughs> delightful together in danger cary grant audrey hepburn in charade if we could focus on what um, evangelical Christians, Protestant evangelical Christians, Reformed evangelical Christians mm-hmm. should be looking at with respect to art and what they can do moving forward. Not just, you know, the individual who's going to be producing a movie or, or writing poetry or any of those things. How can the average reformed individual who has an inkling of interest in art, how can they participate in moving art to where it should be within the church? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I will probably be ill-equipped to answer it, but I would say that one way to do that, at least in my mind is to be uh, is is to be a connoisseur of of film in the first place or music, whatever your you know your art of choice is. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be discerning in what you choose. Of course, you know we all we all have those areas of film that that we have to be careful with and that we have to. Make sure we're not being sucked into it in a negative way. Um, but in order to understand film, you need to understand uh, films, and you need to understand the history of films. Um, and that means watching a lot of them and being open to reading reviews of films by people who have devoted their life to it, both Christian and non-Christian. Um, there are a lot of, especially right now, you know, with the internet, you can read criticism of film from years back, you know, people that aren't even alive yet er, anymore. And so there's tons of information out there. There's tons of ways that you can be pulled into the love of film or the love of music or whatever it is through the passion of other people. Uh, most of the reason why I've gotten into a lot of the, the areas of interest I've gotten into is because I have opened myself up to people who were really passionate about the stuff that they, um, they listened to, they, they watched, and they made. And that passion does carry over. Uh, I'm case in point you know, on a, on a lot of things. So first off, you need to, you need to be open to the art itself. Um, then I would say at that, after that, be in dialogue with other people, you know, be in dialogue with 
once again, I, I say like you need to be in dialogue with both Christian and non-Christian. Um, it's people who under who share in the same love of film, the love of music, love of TV, whatever it is. Be in dialogue. You know, balance ideas off of each other. Uh, as you do that, you get to a point where you build up your your ideas about how you know films are made and how they should be made, where certain films fail, you know, what constitutes a solid quality, emotionally uh, connected intellectual film, and then build that, those ideas up. And then eventually, you know, if you get to a point where you actually want to produce, you know, a piece of film or a piece of music, then I would say that you just you take that knowledge that you formed from you know learning and dialoguing and put it into practice and that does not mean it's going to be good every single time uh practice uh doesn't make perfect only perfect practice makes perfect um <laughs> and so you're sounding like my father's football coach yeah well that's that's what my piano teacher told me so <laughs> um so you know, be, be open to failure, you know, cause that's the best way to learn in my opinion is, is to fail. Um, and once again, be in dialogue with people, you know, don't be ashamed to show your stuff to other people and let them give you uh, criticism, let them, you know, encourage you or push you forward. Um, so basically what I'm saying is that you need to know the art form and you need to be in community with people in order to push your art forward, especially as a uh, person of faith, if you're going to make solid art. Yeah, we we had a guest preacher, pastor um, at our church. He's a pastor of a, a sister church, and he was guest preaching at our church on Sunday, and he was quoting Francis Schaeffer saying that God's instruction to the Christian or command to the Christian, I guess, depends on how firmly you want to listen to this is to, um, get in the mud, but not get dirty. Basically like you, you've got to get your hands into the mud. Like there, there's no excuse about that. It, you, you've got to be in there, but not get dirty at the same time. And it seems if I'm accurately representing what you're saying, You've got to understand the arts, and that means you've got to understand the so-called secularized versions of this art as well, to a a degree, Mm -hmm. um, and understand that because it is principally rooted in creation and God's common grace, there's going to be things that you can learn from that, and you can take forward um, and perform better. Sometimes you'll perform worse. But uh, you're going to grow as an artist as you try to portray better what a, a Christian form of it will look like. Yeah, exactly. And I've always, I've always told people, you know, the one of the things that I'm convinced of is that, okay, so I've got an artist friend. I'll just tell you the story. It's, it's more entertaining this way. Um, I have an artist friend who does abstract paintings, and he, has, he shows them at galleries and things like that. And uh, one day he and I were just talking and he knew I was a writer and that I was attempting to write a novel and, 
you know, I was writing nonfiction articles and things like that. And I was just sharing with him some of my stumbling blocks, some of my writer's block and stuff like that. And he's like, a lot of it was surrounding, like be, having that perfect mixture of both engaging the art, but also being true to the faith that I subscribe to. And he said, Blake, uh, you, you know what you believe. There's no doubt about that. And he said, so take that, trust it and write like you don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, surprisingly enough, that's a pretty freeing piece of advice. I'm not going to say it's worked every single time. (laughs) No, I can tell you for a fact it does not work every single time. But occasionally, occasionally I find myself in, in, in a, in a, in a moment where like I just write and I, I don't, I'm not immediately concerned with the, uh, theological accuracy and, you know, perfection of, you know, you know, my, my, you know, doctrinal, you know, points and things like that. I just write. And sometimes some of what I've, some of my favorite stuff I've written has come out of that. Now that's not to say I'm going to publish it as it is. I go back and I edit it and I, I kind of redirect tangents and I, you know, edit and all that good stuff. But it's the thing, it's good to have those moments where you can just enjoy the art itself and then you can always mold it later on. Yeah.